For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgaters Podcast. I'm Kevin Borwick. He is Sergio de la Esparrea, and we are here to talk to you about all things college football and all things college football playoff rankings because they dropped their first rankings today. And I know you're excited, Sergio. Tell me how you feel. I am excited. Um, I I think I'm going to say this a lot on this podcast, and I'm going to say this a lot over the next few weeks. It's going to play itself out. I personally, there's a few teams that I have some personal disagrees disagreements with the committee with. Um, but I think overall, top 25, I think it was a pretty decent job. Um, but we'll go through it in a bit, and I'll, ta- I'll tell you which teams I, I have personal gripes on. <laughs> yeah, there were some gripes to be had. Um, we'll start. Um, I'll just guide us through from bottom to top, and we'll just diagnose. Um, the bottom half, I think the only thing I disagreed with were the last couple teams that they had in there. Or not last couple. There's 20 through 25. I think those teams were pretty interesting. But starting with 25 was Pitt. Um the leader in the ACC in one of their divisions, which is very unfortunate for the ACC, very down year for them. San Diego State, who just lost their first game in the season to Fresno State, who was one spot ahead of them at 23. 22, Iowa, which which I thought Iowa at 22 is pretty interesting because they have fallen from, tw- from 2 to like 11 and now all the way to 22 because they've lost games and they have lost games they should not have lost. And then they, they have... Up- oh, Continue. I would no. I was just gonna say that I actually I'm perfectly fine with Iowa being 22. I don't think Iowa's the best football team. To be fair, um, I think Iowa really took advantage of a great turnover margin and a very high profile uh, game against Iowa State earlier in the season. And there's a lot of things that I feel Iowa took got was able to take advantage of. Um, and so for me, I actually kind of like them sitting at at 22. It's it's a pretty fair ranking in my opinion. Yeah, and they also took um, advantage of the Sean Clifford absence in their matchup when he went down um, about halfway through the game. Um, another team that I di- – this is probably the team that I disagree with the most in these rankings is Wisconsin at 21. Um, I just don't think Wisconsin is that good of a football team this year, which I understand they have won a couple games at the right time these past couple weeks, but do not think they're a good football team, just like Iowa kind of. So I, I don't mind it. Again, the back half here, it's okay, but just give me a better team in that scenario. I'm also a little bit surprised with the next one up. You haven't gotten to it, but it's Minnesota at 20. Um, I feel like Minnesota really was taken out of the spotlight after, I think it's uh, e, uh, Moses Ibrahim. Ibrahim. Yeah. Ibrahim, yeah. Ibrahim was, went out after the first game of the season, first or second game of the season. So they kind of, you know, nationally, the, um, the discussion on them kind of went down. So. For me, I, I you know I don't I don't mind it this back half, but you know, let's keep going because I want to get to the top. I want to get to the top of the yeah okay okay. Uh, so we got rankings. North Carolina State at nineteen, Kentucky eighteen, Mississippi State who kind of surprised me at seventeen, um, Ole Miss at sixteen, BYU at fifteen, Texas A and M at fourteen, Auburn, Baylor, Oklahoma State at eleven, which they went head to head and Baylor lost. Um, I do think Baylor is a better team, but Oklahoma State was ahead of them probably because of that head to head matchup, which is something that continued throughout the rankings um excuse me notre dame at 10 wake forest at nine and i think this is where it starts to get interesting is this where your gripes begin my gripes have already started okay well let's hear the gripes let's hear the gripes let's talk about the top 10 sergio notre dame is not a top 10 football team full stop full stop this defense is not nearly as good as it was last year it was very it was elite last season um the the offense is kind of pedestrian. This is a rebuilding year for Brian Kelly and Notre Dame in terms of the you know they're not a they're not this top tier team or at least they don't have the perception of it. If you want to talk about okay, so my my Notre Dame opinion is tied in with my Cincinnati opinion. So let's finish up the top ten and then that way I can give them both at the same time. Okay, so Notre Dame at ten, Wake Forest at nine, Oklahoma eight, Michigan seven, Cincinnati who you just mentioned at six. Ohio State at five, Oregon at four, 
Michigan State at three, Alabama, and then shocker, Georgia at the top. Um, let's dive into the gripes. This is let's gripe with Sergio and Kevin. Okay. Gripe number one, Notre Dame should not be a top 10 football team. Um, their resume, if you want to look at their, you know, if you want to use that as an excuse, the teams that they play, the way that they've played, the eye test, all that stuff, they, they are winning football games and their only loss is to Cincinnati at home. Um, but in my opinion, if you are going to rank Notre Dame 10, which I disagree with, but okay, that's fine. If we're going to put them at 10, there's no way that you can put Cincinnati at six especially behind a Michigan especially behind um Ohio State, Oregon and Michigan State. In my opinion, because I do like that this year's committee is, you know, there's a whole lot of different prerequisites that they take into account to determine the rankings and one of them is head to head. And some years it matters a bit more than others because everything is subjective and all that. This year's committee, I like the fact a lot that they have placed an emphasis on head-to-head matchups, right? We've seen it all the way down to 25, right? Um, Last week, San Diego State 24, Fresno State beat them, they're 23. Um, Wisconsin beat Iowa, they're 21, Iowa's 22. Um, We'll see what happens with the Egg Bowl at 16-17, Mississippi, Ole Miss, we saw with Oklahoma State, Baylor, all that stuff. So if we're going to do that, that means that we have to have Ohio State behind Oregon, which is fair. I agree with that concept. I, I think that the games that are played on the field should matter doesn't matter when they're played. They are played in the season. Those should have some kind of importance. My issue is tomorrow, Cincinnati and Oregon could play on a neutral site and Cincinnati would win that football game. I truly believe that. Cincinnati has an NFL an NFL caliber. I'm not going to say he's going to be a starter or whatever, but he has an NFL um, draft prospect quarterback in Desmond Ritter. It is a Luke Fickle coach defense. And it is one of the best secondaries in the country. All right. There's a whole lot of things over there. I do not think that Anthony Brown can go out there and out, out throw, out run, out just beat this Cincinnati defense. So for that reason, I would, and I think all credit to Michigan State and Mel Tucker, I am conducting the Mel Truck Tucker hype train. So all aboard, I'm a fan of it. Um, I think Alabama is a better football team. I think it's very clear the one and two Georgia-Bama. That's perfectly fine. I'm not mad with any of that. I think you're going to put Michigan State there just because of the resume that they have, you know, beating that beating that Michigan team, which I don't think is the best team, but still, you know, it's a big team. They have a lot of road wins, very tough, and it's over-exceeding your, it, it's overachieving your expectations, right? So cool. That's fine. I would put Cincinnati at four, and then I would put Oregon at five, and then I would put Ohio State at six, and then I would have Michigan, Oklahoma. The rest I'm kind of okay with. Um, I think Oklahoma is a better team than Michigan, but I think Michigan has shown to be more consistent. And clearly the committee didn't like the way that Oklahoma played against Kansas, didn't like the way that Oklahoma has been kind of showing up a bit flat to different um, to some games. Um, TCU game, for example. First half of the Texas game. Sorry, Borba. Um, I think Wake Forest is perfect where they're at at nine because this team is not very is not as talented as the other teams in this group. Um, but this team is doing really well and, and the, the claw fence is doing a fantastic job, um, over there in, um, in Winston-Salem. And then, like I said, I don't like Notre Dame there at 10. Um, I think Auburn should probably jump from 13 to 10, to be honest, maybe even Baylor can jump up, jump up there. I think if you play tomorrow, Baylor, Notre Dame, I think Baylor wins the football game. I think if you play tomorrow, Auburn and Notre Dame, I think Auburn wins the football game. Um, clearly Texas A&M was able to beat Alabama. I think they could beat Notre Dame as well. There's a whole that it, it all boils down to that. If you're going to rank Notre Dame 10 and say that they're better than those four or five teams behind them, then you have to have Cincinnati ranked higher because what you're telling me is that Notre Dame's weak schedule and their weak resume means more than Cincinnati's quote unquote weak schedule and weak resume. Even though Cincinnati's the team that has two power five road games that they won in back-to-back weeks with a bye week in the middle, but they won in back-to-back matchups. Even though Cincinnati is the team that has kept the majority of their team from the year prior and has continuation at quarterback and head coach and defense, which are the all important aspects. Even though Cincinnati is the team that finds a way to win games against triple option football teams while Notre Dame is out here struggling with Toledo at home on Peacock. So like there's things where, if you're going to say one thing is this way, then you have to say the other thing is the other way. Am I making sense, Barbara? 
or am I just rambling now sense. because I'm a bit right? Sense. I, I actually did a whole mock 25 of what I thought the playoff would do today. And so I, I undersold them. Um, I thought they would disrespect Cincinnati, but I didn't realize they would disrespect Cincinnati to the point where they'd be out of the top four. Um, I would, I'll just read you my top five from my, what I thought they would do. I had Oklahoma five, Cincinnati four, um, Alabama at three, Michigan state two, and then Georgia one. Um, the thing that's getting me, I'm going to go through the top four right now. Georgia, obviously, I think that was the only one we absolutely knew this whole time. Alabama, honestly, I knew they would be in the playoff. But if you put them mm-hmm. at spots three through four or two, two through four, like either one, it doesn't matter to me because they showed in the I Texas think the, and- I think the important thing, the important thing is to not match them up with Georgia in the first round. That It doesn't matter what number they are. Just don't match them up against Georgia because A, they're, it's going to play itself out. They're going to play in the SEC championship game and B, you know, you don't want to have a back to back games in that sense. So I understand that aspect. So continue. Right. I'm sorry. But I was not I, – I don't want to say I'm not sold in Alabama. Like, they're obviously one of the better teams in college football. But here's my gripe with how high they are over Cincinnati is they lost to Texas A&M with the backup quarterback. They almost lost to you guys. Um, You guys had a uh, – Florida, if you guys don't know, Sergio's We're a bad football team. Florida you is a bad football, football team. team. You guys stormed back in the second half and lost by, I think it was two points or, like, one point. And so mm-hmm. Alabama – like, I'm not saying they need to drop to 10 or anything crazy. I just think that – I think past history is kind of influencing the committee on this where it's like, oh, it's Alabama. Like they have the prestige, like they do have a really good team, but I think they're disrespectful in the matter that Cincinnati has a, a road win against a top 10 team when they were top 10 at the time and they're still top 10 in Notre Dame. Cincinnati has beaten all the, every team on their schedule. And the reason that they disrespected Cincinnati and I knew this was going to happen and I texted you about it as soon as it happened is when they barely, or not barely, but when they struggled against Navy, which who doesn't struggle against triple option teams, I knew that was going to happen. And the very first thing he said to Reese Davis on the college football playoff show was, well, you know, they they struggled against a 2-6 and six Navy team, and then they didn't handle Tulane, uh, who was starting a freshman quarterback. Like, they won the game. Like, it doesn't all, like, I get eye test matters, but when they've blown out everybody else, and then they had two, like, like they could have had better games. I won't disagree, but I don't think those two games are like the precedent for their whole season. And I, I knew this was going to happen. Um, I literally wrote in my article, the playoff committee typically d- um, disrespects group of five teams. And I don't see why they'd stop now. And they obviously did by putting Cincinnati at six, because like you're going to boot them out of the whole playoff for being undefeated, but they didn't win like w- with a large enough margin. And then they were talking about it on the show. Cincinnati ha- has a ceiling. I don't, the committee won't admit this, but they didn't rank any other American team, um, American athletic conference team in the ranking. So that means they took out SMU and Houston who are both seven and one. And so now the rest of Cincinnati schedule does not look impressive. And so now they're just going to be like strength of schedule. Like, I feel like they're, I don't think they're planning on preventing Cincinnati from being in, but it also feels like they're like in the long term, like making moves to kind of prevent Cincinnati from being in or make it harder at least. That's my gripe. I feel you. I, I completely hear you. I, I sympathize with you. Um, brother, I am there with you. Um, it, let me just go a couple of things that you said. Let me go point by point. In regards to Alabama, I I agree with you. I think we're getting some past, um, past teams bias and the name and the brand of Alabama is making an influence. But I also think that we are holding Alabama to such a high standard because of what the Alabama program, the football factory Saban has created there, uh, is. This is not one of the better Alabama teams, but even this not-as-good Alabama team is better than most teams in college right. football I, this season. I, I'm not trying to say that Alabama's not worthy. I just I think them at two right. seemed like a bit of a stretch when we have a Michigan State who just beat a top uh, I believe top five team, top 10 team. No, they were six mm-hmm. top 10 team, like literally three days ago. And then um, obviously Cincinnati. So that, right, but, that's my, but, okay. But, but, but to that, but to that point, four. but to that point, if we put 2021 Alabama up on the field against 2021, Michigan state, Alabama's winning that football game. Number one, number two, we've been talking about it all season. This Michigan team is not as good as the rankings have, have indicated. So for me, I'm actually okay with rewarding Michigan State for putting them at three, but still having the realization of going, okay, it's very clearly 
Georgia, Bama, and then the rest of the, the field. And I'm fine with that. So for me, I don't really mind those top three. My gripe is dropping Cincinnati down to six. And while I will say this, everything will play itself out. I agree with you. I think that they put them in this position. Like six, ironically, is worse than like eight. Because eight tells you that like, okay, you're a group of five team. You're having a good season, but we're really not taking you seriously, right? If you put them at four, you're legitimately taking them seriously. Six is like, we're going to throw you a bone to make it look like we're taking you seriously, but we're just going to leapfrog everyone in the next few weeks. And I will say this, we are overreacting and we're having all these conversations and podcasts are being recorded and articles are being written. And that's great. But this is the first week, my guy. We have not even played the November slate of games in college football. There are four regular season weeks left before we can decide exactly who the playoff teams are. A lot will happen. And and we're going to have a conference championship game as well. You know, Georgia and Alabama are going to play each other. You know, Ohio State is going to play both Michigan State and Michigan. You know that Oregon is going to finish out their season. You know that Oklahoma is going to finish out their season. And we know that Cincinnati is going to play one of either SMU or Houston in the championship game. Now, I agree with you. I think that the long play is them leaving out two 7-1 Houston and SMU teams that are playing some really good football, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't been watching. And they have decided to go ahead in the back and put teams like Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, NC State, uh, San Diego State, Fresno State, Pitt I'm not too mad about because I actually like Pitt and think they're a better football team than what the ranking reflects. But I think that both SMU and Houston are better than all of those teams I just listed. Those te- those are teams 19 to the- through 24 in the playoff rankings. So without those like ranking victories, quote unquote, without like, oh, you didn't beat this ranked team, Cincinnati's not going to have the ammunition to be, oh, go ahead, oh, here's our resume. It's going to be completely reliant upon eye tests. And when the eyes that are watching the football game are walking into the football game with a bias against a team that is not part of the Power Five, it's not going to work, which is why the expanded playoff will be great because we'll get a couple of group of five teams in there. But in the long run, they're still going to find ways to screw up these teams. And listen, I'm not advocating for a team like a UTEP to make the playoff because they're having a good season. No, I understand that the qualities and levels of college football. I've been watching this game for years. I know what I'm talking about. My issue is the top level teams, the 2017 UCFs, the Houston team that beat FSU in the Peach Bowl, the uh, this year's Cincinnati team, last year's Cincinnati team. I don't think last year's Cincinnati team was a playoff team, but you know, still in that in that conversation. It's not good enough to just throw them a bone to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game so they can go around. And then you complain when teams like 2017 UCF are like, all right, fine, we're just going to claim ourselves national champions because you guys won't let us play in the game anyway, so we're just going to do it ourselves and everyone gets mad. No, like these programs have to do these things in order to maintain in that conversation, in order to push for expansion, in order to push for being fair, uh, having fair representation. So when you put Notre Dame at 10, and then you drop down Cincinnati to six, it tells me that not only do you not care about the group of five schedule, you're going to value this cupcake schedule that Notre Dame has been squeaking by the entire season. And the only time that they played a team that's relatively good, the two times, because we can say Wisconsin is relatively good, was they ended up having to come back with a backup quarterback against Wisconsin in a neutral site game. And then they got beat at home in front of touchdown Jesus himself to Cincinnati. So like, I don't understand what your logic is there. And again, these things will all work themselves out. Maybe we get some American teams in the next round of rankings. Things are going to slip up. Teams are going to win. Teams are going to lose. I'm hoping for something, but these initial rankings are not giving me a good feeling about Cincinnati's legitimate chance to make the playoff. And it's I'm afraid that we're just going to get one of these, oh, yeah, well, you know, Oregon lost an up – Oregon – I'm sorry, Ohio State lost to Oregon at home and then they got upset in the Big Ten championship game. Oh, but they're still good enough. We'll put them at four. Like, no, like at some point the games have to matter and 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 the programs have to matter and the eye test has to matter. And I genuinely believe if tomorrow the game is played, Oregon, Cincinnati, I would bet I would bet on Cincinnati. Legitimately, I would bet on them. So I know I rambled a lot there for the past like four minutes, but like it's all good. It Um, it just baffles me the the logic and and the contradiction and and. and we saw it. Our we saw it happen earlier this week. We saw the fruits, the seeds being planted. We saw them going and, and just saying these things of like, oh well, you know, Cincinnati's only one in whatever against teams in in this. And oh, did you know that the the strength of schedule has them ranked in the ESPN FPI and all of these things and blah 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 blah. When yeah, I'm all in favor of analytics and data, 
but I'm watching this football team and I'm watching this defense play well. And I'm watching Desmond Ritter going to, he's going to get drafted on day two of the NFL draft. Like what else do you want? What else do you want? You know? No, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to touch on a couple more things before we move on from the playoff discussion. Um, I, I will say the thing that I appreciate the most about this ranking is the fact that they did value head to head matchups because although like, I think the biggest one that they could have of all the head to head matchups that they could have ignored, um, Oklahoma state and Baylor would have been the one that I predicted they ignored because although Oklahoma state did beat Baylor, Baylor has looked way better than Oklahoma state. And so the fact that they didn't ignore any of these head-to-head matchups, because I truly thought Ohio State was going to shimmy their way into the top three or top four. Um, I didn't expect Oregon to be there. And I definitely thought they were going to disregard that head-to-head matchup just because I feel like that's kind of been their their MO is like when there's a team that loses head-to-head, but they kind of have started to look good. They're like, well, that was just the one slip-up game. And so it automatically takes that win away from the team that beat them. And for them, it's just like an excuse. So I was kind of glad about that. And then the other thing that stood out to me or stands out to me is, like you said, everything's going to play itself out. But the Big Ten, who currently has one, two, three um, top 10 teams, they could end up having no top 10 teams in in a hot minute. Um, Just because of the Um, fact that... In theory... In, in theory, because well, they, they all could, have to play but, each other. Assuming, assuming they all drop a game or two, like I think that's the most. Let me part. let me that say this. Everything up. Let me say this. Ohio State is playing like they are one of the four best teams in the country. They I are. agree with that. Like I think they are, and I think they will end up being in the. I think they will end up taking Michigan State spot because I think they will beat Michigan State. Um, and since their one loss was non-conference, they will have the head-to-head, and they will go to the Big Ten championship game. Um, I think they will take that spot, but I don't think that it excuses. And and again, I I with I like you very much am a fan of they on them honoring the head to head because it's telling me that they value at least a little bit the actual games and not just this theory of oh this, this team looked better. You know what I mean? So is it fair to yeah, say? I, I agree with you. Is it fair to say that this is the least frustrating rankings we've had since the one that included both Mississippi schools in the top four? First of all, that was the first ever college football playoff rankings, and Mississippi State wasn't the number one team in the country. I love that. I don't know why you were saying this was frustrating. No, I said the Um, least frustrating. Oh, the least frustrating. Sorry. Like, I think all from year one until now, I feel like, well, year one was like the pinnacle. Like, they literally Mm -hmm. got the four best teams at that time, which... Both of the Mississippi's, both the Mississippi schools wet the bed, and neither of them ended up making it. But at the time, they were the best schools in the nation. And then this year, I feel mm-hmm. like, although I don't, I don't agree with the order. I do think they have the four best teams, at, actually outside of Oregon. But I mean, that four spot I knew was going to be up for grabs, and they proved right. it. Um, well, the thing, the, the thing with Oregon, before we move on, I'm, I'm sorry, but is Oregon has a really good football team. It's just the quarterback is the big question. And I just think that the quarterback is such a question mark and a liability in a big game against one of these big level teams. Um, That's my big concern and why I have, I have some issues about Oregon. Everything else I love. I love everything else about Oregon. Well, Oregon has the single handedly most dominant college or college player defensive player in the nation right now. So Mm -hmm. that helps their case. It literally just comes down to quarterback play. Um, Like you said though, I think how many teams do you think benefited from like this past Saturday? Like that game on Saturday directly boosted them a little bit. Like obviously Michigan state is one of them, but like mm-hmm. the teams like uh, Mississippi state, um, uh, who am I think like Auburn, like there's certain teams that like, I, I think the, like the, the, the recency bias bump, you mean? Yes, exactly. So obviously Michigan state at three, Correct. I think wake forest at nine because they were able to maintain that undefeated streak. They definitely benefited. Um, I think Auburn, you're right, definitely benefited from that. BYU benefited benefited from it as well. They they won that shootout um, against uh, Virginia, and then I think uh, Wisconsin definitely benefited, and Minnesota for keeping those those streaks alive. You know, I think those were the teams that definitely benefited from uh, from last week. Yeah, I I was I was kind of looking forward to that because um, just because there's 
or just like there's teams that benefited from that, there's also teams that got hurt by it, aka Cincinnati. Um, their whole season but got like, disrupted. No, no, no. But here's the thing that that wasn't that wasn't a their problem. That no matter what they did, I'm like I at this point after oh, years of of the gripes, they, I, they weren't making it anyway. No, I I think the narrative of Cincinnati. You know, having this kind of record against these teams and, oh, the throwing out of these FPI stuff or whatever, that started before the games last week. They were they were cooking. They were giving us appetizers. They were, like, giving us, like, little subtle messages. They're like, ooh, Cincinnati on third down, they can't get stops. Ooh, Cincinnati with the yeah. ball at the 20-yard line, they can't move the ball. Like, they were giving us little appetizers, like, giving us chips and salsa, and then they just slammed the fajitas in our face. Just literally, st- yes, literally. In our face, the- just full steam. It wasn't even the fajitas. It was just the fajita pan. It was just the skillet. Like, they just smacked us in the face with a piping hot chilies fajita skillet. And, and like, I'll end with this because I've gone on a lot of Cincinnati rants. But, like, um, Stephen Godfrey of Split Zone Duo, and he's a journalist and stuff, uh, he put out a tweet that said, hey, make sure you buy Cincinnati dinner first because they were going to, you know, screw them. So Yeah. <laughs> They so did not buy them dinner. That was a they do they they okay. Here's what they did to Cincinnati in terms of dating. They hyped Cincinnati up. They're like, you know what, Cincinnati, we're gonna take you out. And then they're like, actually, Cincinnati, your cousin, she's a little cuter. We're taking her out, and you you could drive us. Like they made Cincinnati the drive is, them to the date. <laughs> yes, exactly. They made them drive them to the date, but not even that. Like. It's they they like didn't give him ever give him a chance. Like Cincinnati was kind of like, oh, maybe he'll take me on the date. And they were always like, no, 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 you will only be the driver. Like <laughs> literally like okay. you are my Uber. Like this is what's happening. That is what's in, that is what the playoff committee did. That's exactly and what those did. of us were dumb enough to think that since that they would date us. And I'm including myself in this one because I'm a group of five apologists. <laughs> OK, Um this was only week one of the college football playoff rankings. So I'm sure it'll get more interesting. Um Sergio. This week of college football has been an absolute. I don't even know what how to describe this word, um, like what word I'm looking for right now. It's been a dumpster fire, if you will. Um, starting off with Gary Patterson, the former TCU head coach. He I forgot was, he's not coaching anymore. That's how many things happened this week. He, he <laughs> was quote unquote, or him and TCU quote unquote decided to mutually go their separate ways, but they were going to fire him, and he was like, "Well, I'm going to quit." And then they were like, well, we want they he quit it because they wanted him to coach out the rest of the season, which I'm not mad at. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to coach a team that like or out of school where I'm not like don't have a job anymore, basically, in right. three weeks. So that happened. Um, I think this is another opening up for Jeff Trailer at the University of Texas, San Antonio. Um, mm-hmm. the, the state of Texas is just opening up jobs for him. And then. Some people were mad about that, but TCU, they disappointed this year. They have statistically one of the worst defenses in the nation, which Gary Patterson's MO is defense. So that's rough. Yeah, or it was. It was. Yikes. Hey, well, the, thing, respect, the thing there was. respect for future Texas defensive analyst Gary Patterson. So here's the thing. I really do believe it was a mutual parting of ways because have you been hearing him in like press conferences lately? Oh, he's been miserable about everything. He, he has been. He hates college he, football. <laughs> he hates college football in 2021. He wishes college football was in 1985, maybe 95, 2000 at the most, where players just kind of shut up and just did what they were told. And recruiting wasn't necessarily this game that it needs to be now. Um, and, you know, I was over the top. And so he just wasn't built for 2021 football, college football. I wish him nothing but the best. I know he has a country recording thing, um, country music that he does. Um, but listen, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's a reason Jeff trailer gets, keeps getting mentioned for every Texas job. And it's because he is so good at recruiting in Texas. He is an elite recruiter of Texas. He's developed great relationships with the high school coaches in Texas. And that is really why he has the Roadrunners meet meep at seven, eight and oh, whatever it is that they're at now. So that's, that's the name you're going to keep hearing with Texas tech with TCU. If another Texas job opens kind of thing. You're going you're gonna to hear it. Yep. Um, also, Gary Patterson, like you said, was not built for it. He he literally was furious that T, um, SMU was flying the flag after their victory. He he threatened um, SMU's social media manager for copyright infringement because they played his song on one of their videos. Like, Gary Patterson 
it was literally old men yelling at clouds. And I don't know if his time in college football as a head coach is over, but I think I think he's more of an assistant coach or like maybe like an analyst for a, like a sports show somewhere. Um, I think that's more in his future. Um, moving on to another coach, um, Bowling Green's coach, Sergio. I don't know how to say his name, so I'm just going to refer to him as Bowling Green's coach. He made history the other day. Did you see that? I did see this. He is the first coach since 2016 when they instated the new rule and first coach in general to be ejected. Um, he got two flags for for beefing with for John at the refs, and he got ejected. And you know what? Bowling Green went on to win that game at Buffalo, picking up their first conference win of the season. So, so his name, Bowling Green coach Borba, is Scott Leffler. Leffler, there we go. Pronounce it. Leffler, name Scott Leffler, and because then that's like that SpongeBob like holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Leafland there, whatever it is. Is that if anyone gets two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in a game, they are rejected. That includes coaches. That includes trainers. That includes everyone participating in the game, in some way or another, whether on the field or on the sideline or whatever. So he got his two, and he was ejected. And it was the first time that a coach was ejected. Um, the irony of all of this is that, yes, they went on to win. They went on to score more points than they had, I believe, in this entire season up to that point after he got ejected like midway through the third. So just let all of that sink in. If he's let calling all plays, of it he should in. not be. He should not be. Um, I he know should that, not be calling plays. Give their, I, I, it was their running backs coach that was calling the shots. And so maybe he should be promoted to OC and Coach Leffler should uh, release maybe, the reins. Maybe he should just be the head coach because it looks like Leffler's not a very good one. And I'm going to move forward. <laughs> hey, sometimes you hire an offensive guru and maybe they can't be a head coach. I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. We're, we're learning that as we go, Sergio, me and you, as as we speak. Well, Ned oh, Ned come Ned on. Has we didn't, have to, we didn't so, have to do that. We I didn't had, have to do I that. I had to for the sake of spooky season. For the sake of Christmas <laughs> season coming up, you know what I'm talking about. We'll, um, we will get to that. No, no, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, Another coach on the move is Clay Helton to Georgia Southern. Um, This one was kind of a head scratcher to me. I feel like he jumped at the first job that was – maybe offer to him. I don't know what jobs were offered to him. Um, I feel like if I were him, if I was in Clay Helton's shoes, I kind of would have waited for like a group of five job maybe to open up or like maybe try to see if I could get like a lower power five job like Washington State maybe. Um, He wasn't bad. Well, hold on. Georgia Southern is a group of five job. Like a higher higher tier group of five job like Fresno State's Uh probably going to be leaving. Um, You never know. BYU. I I don't think he wants that. I think he wants to take his USC buyout money and I think he just wants to go somewhere, coach football where the spotlight isn't as big as it was at USC. He was known for not liking the LA glitz and glamour. And so I think taking a job like a Georgia Southern where he can be comfortable, great get for Georgia Southern. He's very overqualified for that job. And I think he just wants them. What happened? geography question uh-huh. how close is georgia's how close is georgia southern to gainesville florida because um, that is where he's from if you didn't know that clay Helton's from gainesville that's what wikipedia is telling me he's from the 352 come on he's a, born, born a tom petty disciple he could be could i love be. this i didn't know that wow i need to talk about clay Helton better now i didn't know i didn't, I didn't know he's from gainesville um i believe it's probably about a six hour drive oh I mean, close drive. to home not across the country from the fam. Okay. Um, I will say that he is helping in the killing of the triple option, unless he like magically decides to run the triple option. No, no, option. no. He's, he's definitely killing the triple option. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Dead. That's dead. That's but dead he also. Um, no, no, no. But I, I, think it's, I think it's great for him if he does. You know, this is this seems like it's more of a lifestyle choice. Um, and he's, I mean, he's got, he's got money for generations like he's fine you know yeah i mean i, I think he, i think it's it works out and good for him you know good for him he's been a small school guy um he he mm-hmm. i mean he played at auburn and houston and then his coaching career started at duke then he went to houston memphis and then usc so he's kind of like outside of usc he's kind of been around those like larger group of five schools but like kind of still home right. like it, the, memphis is not compared to usc like usc is a whole different planet Correct. And so right. I thought that was interesting um, for him. I honestly thought maybe he'd wait it out and see if any like higher group of five options opened up. Like, 
or even like a, a Louisiana. I thought maybe that could have been in mm-hmm. the in the cards okay. for him because Billy Napier is bound to get a job. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? Clay Helton's with Georgia Southern, and good luck. Um, I think I think that the lesson here, the lesson here, Borba, mm-hmm. is that maybe it's not always about market size or the the brand. You just want something different, and I think that's what he wanted. I think he wanted to be closer to home. I think he wanted to just be at a place that had less exposure. And he just wants to coach ball because he likes ball. So good for him. If that's what he if that's what he really wanted, which is what my read of the situation is, then good for him. Hopefully he likes recruiting because his current quarterback has one touchdown and seven interceptions on the year. Um speaking of coaches who don't like recruiting, um, Dan Mullen. You knew that was coming as soon as I said the word recruiting. I did. I um Dan Mullen caused quite the scene the other day talking about recruiting, Sergio. Break it down for us. Just Give us well. A, actually, a, he d- he didn't talk about recruiting. That was the issue. He did not talk about recruiting. That's true. Because there was a reporter. Uh, I think it was David Waters of Gators Breakdown, who I follow on Twitter. is a great follow on Twitter. You should check him out if you um, like the Gators or just want to keep up on the Gators. Chomp chomp. Um, he asked him a question where he was saying, "Did you learn anything recruiting wise from the game?" Because Kirby Smart was asked a question about um you know, the difference in talent level on the field. And Kirby Smart basically said, look, recruiting is college football. If you don't recruit, you have to always be Tyler and I on sideline judgment, judgment with an E. You can follow it on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, We always say always be recruiting. Always. You are always recruiting. And that's the Kirby Smart mentality. And that's why he's able to that and some other things is why he's able to land five stars. Those things are legal now. Mm, are they now are they they're happening no. to legal matters <laughs> they, they are being disguised as legal payments yes they are exactly <laughs> correct um no no no. but he he said that you have to be recruiting and he was 100 right kirby smart was 100 right there dan mullen when asked the same question in after the game said well we were better than them last year they were better than us this year so what what is the gap and that is number one a horrible answer to the question number two didn't really answer the question and number three, it reassured all of the problems that Florida, the Florida fan base has had with Dan Mullen's um, lack of recruiting and not recruiting to the level that Florida should be recruiting at. Um, fast forward to a couple of days ago, I believe yesterday. Yeah, today's Tuesday, November 2nd. Yesterday, November 1st. He was asked again by David Waters and was like, hey, what about difference on the field? And he said, oh, well, we're, we're, in, we're in the season right now. We'll talk about recruiting after the season. Which, to Mullen's, in Mullen's defense, right, to, to be fair, he meant we, he meant I'm not going to talk about recruiting with the media while we are playing football. We will talk about that when we get to National Signing Day and the recruiting season, quote unquote, meaning the media coverage, which I completely understand. Daniel, there are many ways to say this. The way you said it is not one of them because every person and their mother on Twitter took it and dragged him and said, oh, see, he doesn't care about recruiting, which is unfair to say. But also, I understand where they're coming from. There was a fantastic article in The Athletic today by Andy Staples, who, if you don't know Andy Staples, he's one of the top college football guys at The Athletic. Um, he has the Andy Staples podcast. Fun fact, he was a walk-on at Florida um, during those um, national championship years. Uh, he was a walk-on there, and he went to Florida, got his degree from there, lives in Gainesville, lives in Alachua County still. So, you know, he's able to... He knows the pulse of all that stuff. And he wrote a great article about how there are a handful of programs in the country that whether it's just or justified or not, whether it's realistic and whether it's fair or not, the expectation is to either win a national championship or do everything in your power to be inching closer to a national championship. Is that fair? No, because only one team wins it. And a man by the name of Nick Saban is still living, breathing and coaching football and recruiting which we'll talk about afterwards because the Saban recruiting really extends out to many different aspects. Talk about Cruton. Um, talk about Cruton. But no, no, it's very unrealistic. But Florida is one of those jobs. Florida should be able to, in theory, should, should be able to have the pick of the litter of everyone they want. Now, in recent years, in the past 10, 15 years, the state of Florida has been over-recruited. You know, that's how you end up with Lamar Jackson going to um, Louisville. That's how you end up with uh, Rashad Bateman going to Purdue. Like, that's how you end up with these guys going out of state right. up into Big Ten schools, ABC schools, Minnesota, you know, out of Minnesota. Minnesota, right. Exactly. Those guys typically would have just gone to Florida, Florida State, or Miami. 
And that's why Florida, Florida State, Miami, the quote unquote big three. Um, and I say quote unquote because they are not the three best teams in Miami or in Florida right now, whatever order you want to put them in. Um, because however bad Florida is, they're still the best football team in the state, which is very much a problem. Um, but, you know, that's the expectation. And Mullen is not recruiting at a level where that is sustainable. And there are starting to questions being that are starting to arise. I'm not going to give away the whole article, but go read it on The Athletic if you have The Athletic. If you don't, subscribe to The Athletic. It's a fantastic resource. Um, mm. And so, yeah, there's a big problem there, a big disconnect between the fan base and Dan Mullen himself. Dan Mullen needs to stop treating Florida like it's Mississippi State. No disrespect to Mississippi State, but Florida is not Mississippi State. It is a program with more resources. It is a program with better talent. It is a program with higher expectations, a better history, and a bigger and a bigger and a more uh, a bigger and a less patient fan base. And so the expectations are higher at a place like Florida. You are supposed to compete at a minimum for the SEC championship game. The expectation is to go to Atlanta every single year. The Georgia game is a flip of a coin every year, but we need to be neck and neck with Georgia. We do not need to be losing 42 to 7 to Georgia. We do not need to be blown out of the water by Georgia. Okay? So there's a lot of problems there and 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 the issue recently has been that Mullen isn't isn't humble enough, isn't um aware enough to make the changes that need to be changed. He's never done it before in his career. He's fired one coach in his career and it was Manny Diaz. Like it, it, that's a, when he was his defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. That's a problem. He's been a head coach for 14, 15 years. He's that's loyal. a problem. That's what you call loyal to a fault. Um, just in case no guys aren't looking at the information like we're looking at the information. Um, Dan Mullen's recruiting classes have kind of declined the past couple of years. Um, so, um, twenty twenty one, you guys had the the twelfth ranked class. Twenty twenty, you had the ninth ranked class. This year, you're sitting at twenty two in the nation. Which obviously these rankings truly mean nothing because you never know how good these high school kids are. Um, but I will right, say, but, but here's the thing: it, you have to hit at a high rate. You have exactly. to be, you have to hit, you have to have a better hit rate when you are lower ranked recruiting. And that's here's the thing: twelve, nine, twenty-two is right now because our two Sweet. best commits over the past week have decommitted, and they were both four stars that you know had us up in like twelve to thirteen range, and now we're down to twenty-two. But that's the problem. We shouldn't be in that range. We have we have like the sixth or seventh best recruiting class in the conference, even though we were 10 or 11, 12 in the country. That's a problem. You compete in the SEC. You need to have a top five recruiting class, a top seven recruiting class at worst at a program like Florida. And that just hasn't been the case throughout the entire ten, all of um, Mullen's tenure. I'm not saying Mullen can't coach. X's and O's, Mullen is one of the best minds in the country offensively. But Kirby Smart said it. You need players. You 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 cannot have a long term development program, you know, strategy to building your program when you're replacing your entire roster every three to four years. It's not sustainable. That's why I've always said that Mullen is an NFL coach that's just in college because he does wonders for the guys where he can take them in from college, develop them for a first couple of years, and then boom, they play for the same team for the rest of their career. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, Dan that's Mo- that. Dan Mullen has kind of been thrown out there in these like NFL job searches too. Um, just like some room, not room, like official rumors. Just like his name's kind of been thrown out there more because people are like, he doesn't want to coach in college. Everybody needs to relax. Dan Mullen's going to get his guys. Um, I do think that he needs to have some a little attrition on the staff. Um, think your defensive coordinator needs to go. <laughs> Yeah, but but here's he just need he needs to make the changes and he needs to look at himself in the mirror and say I can be a really really good and elite level coach and I can actually put the effort into recruiting or I can maintain the status quo and I can get fired from Florida take my buyout money and then go coach in the NFL because that, that those are really the two paths that he has right now he can try to work at it and make it better or he can stick his head in the sand be stubborn and then we know exactly what's going to happen because Georgia has whooped us. Um, whenever those situations happen. So it's yep. not going to work that way. Um, You want to stay in the South or do you want to deal with some monkey business? I want to stay in the South, sir. I am What's a Southerner thing? at heart. I uh, I am a Floridian. And actually from I the, think if, if Florida doesn't count. No, as no, 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 no. It doesn't? 
Listen, yeah. the further north you go in Florida, the further south you go. If you know, you know. I clearly don't know. Um, no, you anyways. don't know. Because... <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, Alabama has had a big week in recruiting in basketball. Um, they've got a couple four and five stars. Um, an elite forward named Brandon Miller, five-star 2022 class, um, had all the blue buds calling for his name. He decided to go play for Nate Oates at Alabama, which is whatever. I mean, Alabama's an up-and-coming basketball program. Um, Good we're seeing for him. a lot of Good for we're them. seeing a lot of non-traditional basketball schools like Texas, Alabama, um, Arkansas become like some destinations for these top recruits. Um, but his reason for going to Alabama wasn't what you expect. Um, his reason, Sergio, and you sent this to me, so you know, but I'll tell the people, was that he grew up watching Alabama football, so he's always been an Alabama fan. I just I want to know. I would love to get in that guy's head. Like how how does it work? Does he how does it work? Like <laughs> does he even I, fit? I will, I will say this. I will say this. That is the definition of a forty year decision and not a four year decision. My man was thinking every Saturday for the rest of his life: Do I want to be happy or do I want to struggle with my mental health? And the man said, "I'm gonna go to Bama and I'm hey. gonna be happy every hey, Saturday helps, in the fall." It helps he's a five star and he'll probably play regardless of where he's at. It's just funny and that he'll, this and he'll be there for a year and then go to the league. Yeah, it's just funny that he was like, you know what? If I'm gonna go to college for one year, I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fan, I'm gonna fan girl a little bit, and I'm gonna go watch me some some roll tide football. <laughs> this is the this is the basketball equivalent of Gronk going to Arizona simply because he wanted to party at Arizona. Yeah, I mean, hey, everybody's got their reasons. Um, we always see a lot of like life um spe- specifically at texas like lifelong longhorns like sam ellinger was like i'm sure if you watch any texas game during his tenure there they showed the the picture of him when he's like two holding up the hook sign or a picture of him with his dad um this one's a little more random because he doesn't play football yeah maybe saban maybe saban will give him a look throw him at a tight end or wide receiver i don't know maybe. i don't think i should be risking my nba body nba hey. money body on the football field yeah. You already risked your, I don't want to say risked your career because Alabama's like up and coming in basketball, but you already decided to go to Alabama because you liked it. You might as well have fun. <laughs> I mean, why not? Um, speaking of why not and doing things because why not, um, Texas's assistant coach, Jeff Banks, an interesting man, um, his girlfriend, <laughs> his girlfriend who he left his wife and kids for. A former yes. stripper on the Jerry Springer show. What's her name? The Pole Assassin. The Pole Assassin. <laughs> um, their monkey, who the monkey assisted in her her act on the Jerry Springer show. So a talented monkey, not a very patient monkey. Clearly, um, does not like to be taunted. Um, they had a, a little Halloween get together the other day on Halloween, and. A child went into their backyard. Whether the signs were up or not, we don't know because we weren't there. Um, on the tour she gave us of her backyard, the people apparently walked through two gates and then put their hand into the cage. I don't know. Maybe the kid had it coming. I don't know. But the monkey attacked a child, and allegedly they had to pry the monkey's jaws off of the kid. Yeah. So Yikes. the state of you left out the best part. There's more. It's the Did fact I... that the monkey, the monkey is an emotional support monkey. Oh, that's right. Um, how could I forget <laughs> the it, emotional it is, support is... stripper monkey? <laughs> yes. I just, uh, I don't, I don't think we should even discuss this. I just think that this is something that needs to just exist in the college football universe, and we all reference it every once in a while, but we never speak of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, Texas will forever be getting like these. Um, like monkey puns. Um, the funniest thing that I saw was our linebacker, like maybe two or three months ago, tweeted, I want a monkey. And our defensive coordinator, who never uses Twitter, responded, No, you don't. And then people started <laughs> retweeting that like yesterday. And they're like, That's the only call he's made right this whole season. And so, oh my gosh, that's horrendous. Mon- monkey, monkey Twitter has taken over Texas. Uh, by the way, the Longhorns have lost three straight with three st- three straight blown double digit leads. Um, you know what? If we win those games, we're probably in the discussion for the playoff. But now we're talking about monkeys biting kids, yeah, and all strippers. Right. All right, okay. <laughs> um, shoulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda. 
That kid shouldn't have put his hand in there. The monkey's innocent. Free the monkey. Well, don't free the monkey because it'll probably bite someone. Yeah. Um, let's move on to a brief a brief breakdown of what happened in Week Nine. Uh, Michigan. We kind of talked about it already. Michigan State had a hell of a comeback. Your guy Kenneth Walker had his Heisman moment. Um, you were texting what me. What did I tell you? Maybe what a little did bit I tell you? Maybe a little bit under the influence when you texted me. Um, that he was having his yeah, Heisman. I was, I was under the I was under the influence of the Heisman Trophy being awarded <laughs> to Kenneth Walker the third in December. That is right. what I was under the influence of. Right on 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 the rocks or no? On the rocks, yes. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it was on the rocks. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Michigan State. I don't know what what stood out to me more, Michigan State's Kenneth Walker because he kind of is their whole offense. Like their quarterback is decent, glorified game manager, or. Michigan's lack of time awareness. Like I feel like they absolutely they absolutely pissed away their last two drives and kind of gave Michigan State that chance. And then they 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 did, but I I think this game was more Kenneth Walker the third just making stuff happen. Oh, like when you look was. at the running plays, he 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 was very much like Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers back in the day, where he just was able to maneuver whatever he wanted, and it seemed like no one would ever be able to bring him down. Five touchdowns, man. Close to 200 yards on like 23 carries. Insane. Insane. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um, yeah. He popped he off. Um, Pitt lost, which I, I I just felt the need to mention this because we were all hyped on Kenny Pickett. And listen, like, the ACC. Listen, man, I, I told you. I told you that Pitt, Pitt is Pitt, man. They just when you think that they've turned a corner, they're going to pit. And Pitt pitted. Pitt pitted in a way that Pitt hasn't pit in a few years. And I honestly loved it. I, I just, I loved watching it. I really did. I really did. Beautiful I mean, uniforms too, by the way. Nice uniforms. Um, not the outcome they were hoping for. And then our, the final game worth mentioning was Auburn Ole Miss. Um, Bo Nix is a renowned listener of the Tailgaters podcast, and he is tired of Sergio calling him bad Bo. And he came straight from bad Sergio. I'd like, I'd like to make this announcement here on the tailgaters on this episode. I am officially, and I will make this announcement again on this week's episode of sideline judgment, judgment with an E Apple podcast, Spotify. I'm officially retiring the bad Bo Nix mantra. It is only good Bo Nix from here on out. He has done it. It's just incredible. What good talent can do when they have an actual quarterback developer on their roster. None of this Gus Malzahn, Gus bus experience. They are actually developing quarterbacks. Brian Harson, take a bow. Get your vaccine, but also take a bow. <laughs> oh, Brian Harson. What a guy. Mm. Um, and yeah, that honestly, that game was really good. Um, I want to shout out Matt Corral, though. He had a lot of heart. Um, he went down with, I think it was an ankle injury. Um, he came back in. I you could tell he was not the same. Um, I just enjoyed seeing like a player try to tough it out for his squad. Um, you know who was not happy though was Luke Altemeyer, the backup quarterback, who went five for five on his passes, and like they got, they're like, no, nah, Matt's coming back in. This man was like, huh? He's like, let me let me get a chance, man. Let me get a chance. But was I get it, it. I get it. But like Matt Matt Corral is obviously is really always got to go with really Matt Corral. Yeah, you got um, go. Before we end this amazing episode, if I might say so myself, um, there are three games of the week. Um, the games of the week this this week aren't as good as we thought. Um, also, we tied again last week on our picks uh, because we each the ones that we decided to pick on the opposite um, we each got wrong. So shout out us, um, keeping it consistent. <laughs> we have three games of the week. I'm very disappointed in which game College Game Day picked for their game. Um, they picked Cincinnati Tulsa, if I'm not mistaken. When UTEP and UTSA is sitting right there with one loss between the two of them, that was, I know that was a that was our fault, and by our I mean FAU. That was our fault. Uh, we ended up beating, um, the UTEP Miners. We ended up beating them. Um, they were no longer undefeated. I mean, go Owls! I loved what great game. Uh, Nikosi Perry looked good. The offense looks like it's clicking finally. Um, but uh, that's our fault. It probably could have been. Yeah. The, it probably could have been that game. That's on us. Nobody, nobody wants to watch an eight-no University of Texas San Antonio versus six-and-two UTEP. Disgusting. Correct. They wanted. So now we're going to watch. I know. I know. I know. So now we're going to watch a three-and-five Tulsa take on Cincinnati. Love that. Um, the real game day 
should have. We're been. not disrespecting Cincinnati first- today. Let's let's be clear. We're not disrespecting That's Cincinnati true. on this That's podcast true. today. I'm disrespecting Tulsa. All my disrespect is directly at Tulsa. Nothing to do with Cincinnati. Um, the games Good. of the week, though, we got three this week. Auburn, number twelve, Auburn at number thirteen, Texas A and M. I'm gonna go Auburn. I think the boat. I think good bow continues. Um, I don't. I don't have faith in Texas A and M as much as other people might, and so I'm going Auburn. You you know who's you know who's actually gone into Bryant Denny Stadium and won a football game. Whomst? It is Bo Nix. So for that reason, Kyle Field ain't gonna scare him. No, Kyle Field ain't gonna scare good Bo Nix. I'm gonna take good cult, Bo Nix and Auburn. Your weird well. cult has no hold on Bo Nix. No hold, no hold. Um, up next is what could have been the um, call the game of the game week, day. game day. Thank you, I sputtered. Um, number sixteen, University of Texas San Antonio at UTEP. Um, I'm gonna give this one to the Roadrunners. Meet me, um, just because they are claimed meet 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 me as well. Meet me as well. Meet me all the way. Um, and then the last one, the Hugh Freeze Bowl, um, Liberty at Ole Miss. I feel like that could have been. If Liberty maybe didn't drop a game earlier in the season, this could have been it. This could have been it. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not mad about that because I just don't like Liberty. So I will be going with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels and Matt Corral. I don't want to unanimously agree again, but when we only have three games of the week, it is what it is. Um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Liberty. Uh, I do like Malik Willis though. Good guy. Mm-hmm. Seems good. I do as well. Liberty's well. a weird institution. I will say that. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about a lot. Let it all sink in. We have. We'll be back next week. Um, we're going to be recapping. Well, before you before you sign off, my friend, yes. I do want to mention two things. Go ahead. Number one, as of today, November 2nd, it is legal to bet on sports in the state of Florida. So those of you who are in the state of Florida, make sure you go to um, – this is not a plug, but I'm definitely plugging. Mm. Um, the Hard Rock Sportsbook. Download the app. Fantastic. You know what else? Got is, some stuff you know where else it's legal? Today. Freaking Connecticut, where we just left. Like where we a just left. I know, dude. I'm like, like two, ugh. Like a month and a half ago, I was in Connecticut. Couldn't gamble. Couldn't gamble legally. Also, I do want to say, if you'd like to join me on the hashtag Justice for Thanksgiving Crusade, please mm-hmm. tweet me at S-D-E-L-A-E-S. Um, hashtag Justice for Thanksgiving. It is a holiday. It is. I do not like it when we skip the entire month of November. November is one of my favorite months of the year. You may not like Thanksgiving. There are some questions as to how Thanksgiving, you know, the story of the Native Americans and the and and the and colonizers. And well, yeah, yeah, it could be a little shaky there, but it is a day to eat food, relax, spend time with your family and watch football. What is there to not like? So this is the schedule. The Egg Bowl is there every year. Come this is on. the schedule I like to go off of. Uh, November first uh-huh. through the twenty fourth is Christmas. November twenty fifth, Thanksgiving. I will celebrate in its full glory. Enjoy some pecan pie, um, some pumpkin mm-hmm. pie, maybe even some Thanksgiving tamales if I'm lucky. You never know. Um, You're November so 4th, California. Number twenty sixth through December twenty fifth. That's Christmas. Okay. Well, when we have. Little Abuelitas selling bomb tamales. I'm going to support local business, Sergio. Oh, no, no. That was not an insult, my guy. That <laughs> was not an insult. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for Thanksgiving. Christmas, I love the songs. I love the lights, love the decorations. Thanksgiving just doesn't get me juiced like college football does, like Christmas don't, does. Don't dilute Christmas by extending it for an additional month. What's great about the Christmas season is that it lasts one month. And you can channel it, and it's special there. Don't extend it and dilute it and take away some of its shine by just throwing it in November as well. Especially when I'm in the midst of college football season, and and I I, I want my fall. I, I, I live in Florida. I don't have much of it. I get like three, four days of it max. Let me enjoy it. Stop it, shoving Christmas down my throat. It rained here the other day. The state of California has had enough fall. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to let you know. You know S- at S-D-E-L-A-E-S. Hashtag justice for Thanksgiving. You let at me know. Kevin underscore Borba. Christmas for life. Um, this has been the Tailgaters Podcast. I'm Kevin Borba. He is Sergio de la Esperia. And we love you guys. We appreciate you. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And enjoy college football and support Cincinnati. Because the college football playoff committee does not. Group of five, baby. Yes, sir.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.